Welcome to the Carmen Murray Show, where we have conversations about 21st century business and culture. To be warriors of change, marketers must understand tomorrow's problems today. Being marketing fit means your business remains healthy and profitable. In this University of Johannesburg Department of Marketing Management miniseries, we'll debate the challenges CMOs are facing, the changing MarTech landscape, and emerging data conundrums. Together with our expert guests, we'll unpack corporate culture, emotional intelligence, and the customer experience of this. And now, from the Solid Gold Studios, together with the University of Johannesburg Department of Marketing Management, here is your host, Carmen Murray. Hey, 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 Future Fit Tribe, you're never going to guess what we are talking about. My favorite topic today, customer experience. So, as you all know, we are now living in the 21st century where we need to start really getting serious about customer experiences. And I thought it would be appropriate today to bring in my little calendar that asks, what is my emotional weather of today? So if I've selected it, the, the person that's going to introduce themselves is not allowed to use the same one as mine. And I have decided that my emotional weather today is energized. <laughs> Good. So, in the studio today, we've got with us Professor Mornay and we've got Dr. Beata and we've also have Mariette with us in studio. And Beata, I feel like you are like part of the family. I think we should start co-hosting here, hey? Yes, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> I don't even think you need to introduce yourself anymore. So, no. okay, I'm going to give you the emotional calendar and you're going to tell me your emotional weather and then you're going to introduce yourself, your area of expertise and what's your party trick. My emotional uh, calendar is also energized. Ah, oh, okay. fantastic. Okay, yes. are you energized? Yes, yes. Your <laughs> <laughs> area of expertise? It's relationship marketing and it contains a lot of the customer experience elements because that's a new phase that mm. we're moving in. 100. And my party trick, I think, is having good wine and good food with... Very nice people. <laughs> Hopefully tonight. <laughs> Love it. Well, okay, let's see. It's Beata here, Dr. Stieder Mulder from the UJ Department of Marketing Management. I'm flipping through this calendar to see, <laughs> and I actually see one here that says hungover. <laughs> and I think it has been a challenging work week, so I didn't even need any alcohol to feel a little hungover. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I don't still have tons of energy to still be on the show. But yeah, I think it's just fitting when you've had a long week and you feel like you've got a light <laughs> hangover. Hi, it's Mariette Fraser. I'm also from the marketing department. My area speciality is mainly retail. And I'm also flipping through this excellent calendar. Can I steal it? <laughs> no. I had to go through hell and high water to get that calendar. <laughs> Maybe I had to steal it. <laughs> I think I'm at determined. Ooh, because ooh, yeah. I am hoping for gin and tonic later. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Fantastic. Strawberries and mint. <laughs> that will do. <laughs> okay. Excellent. 
Okay, so Carmen, thank you very much for allowing us <laughs> to uh, introduce uh, ourselves. But however, we have got some interesting news for you today. I'm scared. What's going on here? Prof Monet and Marit and I have decided to hijack your show. <laughs> so yes, that is right. The Future for Tribe. On today's episode, it's all about custom experience. <laughs> and we will be interviewing the oh. one, the only, the legendary customer oh, experience specialist, Carmen Murray. Oh, shit. I don't, I don't think I'm prepared for this one. How did this happen? Well, it is happening, Carmen. <laughs> so the listeners know you well, but perhaps you would like to tell them something about why we are specifically interviewing you today on the topic of custom experience. Oh. So my career is a fusion of mobile technology, data science, marketing, and I come out of the background of hospitality. And with a fusion of all of these things, it's landed me into the job of helping businesses build premium customer experiences. And I think that's what makes me unique is because I have so many different fields that I specialize in. Maybe it's a bit scary for other people, but yeah, that's what I pretty much do. Hmm. So, Carmen, I must say, um, you know, Prof. Mournain, Marit, and I are very prepared hijackers. <laughs> so, we did our research as well on customer experience. Oh, my God. So, uh, basically, I went like a true academic and uh, went back to the literature. And I saw that the idea of creating experiences in business is not really that new. If we look back at the literature, we see some of the seminal works by Pine and Gilmore, for example, oh. where they wrote in the Harvard Business Review in 1998 already, a piece that was entitled, Welcome to the Experience Economy. Mm. And then we also had Schmidt in 1999, who wrote a piece on experiential marketing, identifying five different types of experiences or what they call uh, strategic experiential modules. So... Why do you think then today are we only seeing this larger interest in this phenomenon of customer experience? And if I might add, a sometimes uh, misunderstood and almost poor attempts at actually implementing customer experience. Thank you for hijacking the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, actually, as you're going through that literature, I'm going, oh my gosh, what the hell is going to happen? But um, this is my perspective. So I think as marketers, we go into the stage of cliche flexing, as I would like to call it. So um, a buzzword goes around, everybody just jumps on the wagon, and now all of a sudden it's the best things in sliced cheese, and now it's trending, and now it's exciting, and so forth. However, from my perspective, I still remember, okay, although 80s I wasn't in, I'm not that old, but I mean, when I used to be for 10 years in the hospitality industry, it was just normal to mm. do customer experiences or guest experiences from the moment that they picked up the phone, made their booking, came into the lodge and you provided this experience. So customer experience has always been something normal. But I think in the age that we've moved in, where there's been a complete shift, where mm. the customer is now in control, all of a sudden we realize, oh my gosh, we can't do these old-fashioned business models and do marketing the way that we used to. And I think that is why it's become more relevant now. Mm. And I think technology has also enabled that. Mm -hmm. So if we have to actually start from the start, how would we define customer experience? What would we call customer experience exactly? I think if you look at customer experiences, I think it's an integration, an aggregation 
of your business across all the various channels and how you engage with the customer across all the various channels and pillars and then obviously address the customer's needs and frictions and find ways of how you can resolve that and it's all based on insights that you get from the various pillars. And one of the challenges that we face is that we have what we call the omni-channel and the omni-channel is different departments and we all do like to think that it's all integrated but in fact it's siloed and siloed business functions create siloed experiences so I'll give you an example Um, I love using analogy analogies so this week my fiber provider they sent we moved house so they sent me an invoice to say that they're going to debit my account with almost 4,000 rand and I was like, uh, my monthly subscription is 809 rand. Mm. Um, what is going on here? So I sent a message back to the accounts department and I said to them, please do not proceed with um, the debit order. There's something wrong here. I don't understand what's going on. And I get a ticket to tell me that it's in the queue, right? Mm. So... The debit order went off and it's three weeks later after the debit order went off and we still haven't found a resolution. The debit order hasn't happened. They haven't found the problem and we have gone through seven departments already and every time you start all over again. And Mm. that is the problem with customer experiences and I think it also has to do with the fact that we're in the the age of the customer and we make assumptions from the inside of our business rather than experiencing the business from the outside Mm. and seeing how our customers are experiencing and seeing where those frictions are and how we can improve it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's all and well if I listen to your explanation around your experience, but Mm. to me that just plainly sounds like poor service delivery. So what's the difference then between that service experience and the customer experience you expected to get? So customer experience is one factor. It is a human factor and a human engagement. So say, for example, my company is called Buya. I have a very unique style and way of how I engage with my customers and all my clients and so forth, uh, how I deliver my service and, and so forth. When it comes to customer experience, it is the entire experience across every single touch point. So pre-touch point is before I even interact with you as a business, as a brand. How am I experiencing your brand online? Are you answering the questions that I'm asking before I even get in touch with you? When I click on your website, is it a good experience? Am I finding what I'm looking for? If I'm not finding what I'm looking for, I abandon your website. Where do I go? I go to the competitors. So, I mean, then when I'm engaging with your brand and there's 10 staff in the spa all looking at me as I walk in, Mm -hmm. it is like overwhelming and I'm like, I don't actually want to go here because I don't think that I'm going to have a peaceful experience going into the spa. Mm. And then after I leave, are you going to try and upsell me or are you going to try and add value to my life? So that is an entire customer experience journey is mm. before from growth, um, retention, acquisition and brand building. It's everything integrated in one seamless experience. Mm-hmm. And how would you say can we actually better personalize customer experiences? The short answer to that is, Going back to the data. So previously, we've we've been talking a lot about data being so, Mm. so, so vital. Now, 
you need to literally go and see what data do you have in your organization. Mm -hmm. From that data, you need to start doing data mining. And that data mining is going to reveal meaningful patterns and cohorts and profiles of specific type of customers. Mm -hmm. And from understanding what those particular customers, there would always be a common denominator that they all have in touch. And from that, you need to then look at that profile and say, okay, right, we've got a thousand customers that meets this specific profile. How do we take this profile and look at the trigger points and the life cycle that they're in? And how do we go through their journey and see where all the trigger points are across all of the touch points online and offline mm. and then take that and create a personalized experience based on the frictions, the needs of that customer. Does it make sense? Yeah. How do you determine the value of customer experience? Because in your business, you have people that's a frontline and they have an absolute passion for the customers. <coughs> in the back office, you've got someone that's looking at the numbers. How do we know what's the value of this? You know, Richard Branson, I've always been a big, big fan of his. He has literally gone through almost every job. So cross-pollination, you'll see a lot of like FMCG companies also do that. Like you work in one specific department for four years and then you have to move on to the next one. I think induction programs are exceptionally important, but I do think that it's also in, very important to understand the customer experience abyss. So the customer experience abyss is all of the business functions that touch on the customer journey, but where they fail to meet the needs of the customer. And I think when you do customer experience audit, so we would do customer experience audit and we would be the voice of the customer. So we're independent. We go through your entire customer experience journey. We see everything that's broken, all of the blind spots. And then say, okay, right, where's the problems? What are the problems that we can fix now? So what is the more tactical approach that we need to take? And then what is the more strategic approach that we need to take in order to, to solve those things? But it all comes down to training. But I mean, if you look at um, one of the previous podcasts, we were talking about Zappos. Mm. And Zappos has built their whole business on the core values of the business. And they're all happy and they're all energized and they, they're just absolutely customer obsessed. Amazon has this belief system that they're not customer focused, they are customer obsessed. And I think it, it boils down to what type of culture you have in your organization, because I can send you on training how to deliver great service or bad service with a smile. But at the end of the day, if the policies are punishing the customers, then you need to get back to the basics and get the problem solved. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I feel that we're trying to be very fancy mm. today in terms of how we want to entertain our customer base. We've got digital platforms. We've got omni-channel engagement opportunities, various ways of trying to make our service as fast and accessible as possible. But yet we are unable to have our staff developed to secure the emotional intelligence required. They can't manage conflict. They're just so not true. able to engage. As soon as there's conflict, they don't know what to do. Mm. And thirdly, it's also the inability of most companies, sadly, to sustain trust in the relationship. Yes. So, so we have this bad service, which result in this negative experience, which result in this lack of belief that if I should experience something that 
is improved on what I've just experienced that I can trust that it actually will be better. Mm. So those three principles, the, the fact that you can engage, the fact that your staff are emotionally mature to manage difficult situations and you don't overpromise and underdeliver, is simply just not uh, delivered anymore. Yeah. But everybody wants to be fancy. Mm. Exactly. And it's uh, Jeff Bezos uh, always talks about that. There's a quote that he says that... Uh, you know, chasing the new is, is short-lived. So we're so obsessed. We, we as marketers are losing our way because we mm. are so obsessed with the new, we can't keep up with the pace and we use tactics rather than strategy. Yes, and very be- true. <laughs> and be- because of this, what happens is that there's such a disconnect between internal marketing, external marketing, and then the various departments and everybody must have one common goal and that is the customer. I want to share an example with you, mm. if I may. So, um, McKinsey have looked over the landscape of the age of the customer and where it started. So back in the heydays, I think it was the 1970s, if you had a factory, you were booming. You had the <laughs> right industry and you were making money and you were coining it. And so it went into um, the age of computing and information. And then when the mobile phone came in 2010, that's when everything changed. Because all of a sudden... The consumer had access to all the information. Do you know that customers know more about your brand than you know about your brand? Because they are so freaking good at researchers. I think they're better at researching than most marketers are. And what? where do they find all the information? Google that works on artificial, I mean, on AI and machine, mm. you know, machine learning being very vital to that. Mm. So if you're not answering those questions that the customer are asking at that point in time, they are going to be donated to your competitor. Mm. And your competitor will end up taking that customer hijack, the customer mm-hmm. like I'm being hijacked yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's just getting back to that is that, you know, we have to look at the age of a customer and now everything has inverted. I can't remember the gentleman that said mentioned this, but if any of you um, do recall his name, please feel free to tweet it. I would love to know his name. But the supply chain has inverted. So what we used to do is we would go and we would say, okay, right, we're going into the shop and we're buying six Coca-Colas and now we're going home and we're going to enjoy our six Coca-Colas. But now with e-commerce and how that has happened and, and having a mobile phone in your hand, I can go and order a Coca-Cola. But hey, wait now, I'm pushing back my order to the e-commerce because I'm saying I want one cream soda, I want one spaletta and I want two Cokes and I am changing my entire order. So companies are unable to deal with it because it goes straight back into the supply chain manufacturing and they don't know how to deal with the customer that's pushing everything back. And that's where logistics becomes a problem. Mm. Distribution becomes a problem. So the, from this is why customer experiences are so important mm. that we need to start looking from the outside inwards. Mm. And what companies are currently doing is looking for from it internally outwards Mm. and you can't make decisions like that anymore um, because the customer is like if you're not giving me what I want because I know the Mm. technology allows me to have that if you're not giving it to me I'm going to go to somebody that can give it to me the way I want it when I want it and how I want it yes so I mean Carmen if you had to provide advice to companies where is the first thing that they or the most crucial areas that you would advise them to start with customer experience get out of the boardroom I think 
the most important thing is to go and play in the customer sandpit mm. and is really to to get yourself out of the environment. You know, I'm going to say something that I, I feel very strongly about is the moment that you join a company, you no longer represent the customer. You represent the stakeholders. You are influenced being politically correct all the time and um, there's always corporate politics and because of that your decision making is influenced by meeting KPIs which is all money driven and as mentioned in previous discussions what happens with money is money paralyzes us to make frugal decisions that can really change our businesses around and the moment you have lost your voice to represent the customer you've lost the game Mm. And unfortunately, I cannot name any business that does not suffer from this because businesses have become these huge monolithic powers. They are unable to change and adapt to change. And they need to start thinking like startups again. And they need to actually try and invert everything and be the voice of the customer. And every decision that's being made within organizations is paralyzing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Carmen, with, with that. I've got a professor agreeing with me. Yeah. Jeez, like I'm like sweating here. I've got, no, a, I've got all the academics it's, it's, here. It's a really uh, good argument. Um, my philosophy has always been um, as long as your marketing director in a company is being overruled by your financial director because it's about profitability mm-hmm and by your operational director because it's all about logistics. And as long as you have employees as second-rated citizens, you will find an integrated approach to all the touch points for service delivery being challenged. Mm. Because it's not just about the actual access and experience with an offline or an online. It's also the integration of the support system behind mm-hmm. the offline and the support system within the offline system that creates that experience. Yeah. You can have a wonderful ambiance. You can have an excellent website. You can even have the most prominent artificial intelligence that engages with you before you access, for example, a brick and mortar. But if you have employees that are incapable of enhancing the experience that the customer has defined already before they engaged, Mm -hmm. you've already lost the battle. And those are principles that financial directors and operational directors, which are strategists, don't understand. So true. I mean, it's so powerful and I would really like to add to that. So one of the previous episodes, I can't remember which one, I think it was culture, Mm. where we spoke about an egg, right? So if an egg cracks from the outside, it means death. But if it cracks from the inside, it means life. Yeah. <laughs> and if your culture and your business is built on ethics and having a positive culture, that exudes within your customer experience. Um, one thing just to add to that point, I believe in frugal innovation Here's some of the challenges when we do customer experience audits. So it's quite a a big process going through the customers, like mystery shopping on steroids, but with the view of customer experience and looking at 
digital engagement, online engagement, buying into your products. It's really immersing yourself in the brand, interviewing so many stakeholders and trying to analyze all of their data, their their strategies and so forth. So I'm going to um, share something that we always find when we do our audits is we would find that, for example, the advertising agency would say you need to increase your budget by 40% in order to generate the leads in order for us to, you know, meet your KPIs that you have set. So you need to increase it by 40%. Then when you go online and you see within the first 10 seconds, 50% of their traffic actually drops off. 50% of their budget has been wasted because they haven't solved the problem mm. as to why people are abandoning the website within the first 10 seconds. And because they haven't addressed that, they're actually wasting their money in so many different weird places. Mm. So we always get into trouble as marketers that we're spending too much money on marketing, but maybe it's getting back to the basics and the foundation of understanding where money is wasted and auditing where we can fix those particular problems. Because something that Amazon is very, very good at is they apply frugal innovation. So they take the budget away because they believe innovation happens when can only happen when you take the money, constrain them, mm. not having the money because that's when you invent yourself out of the yeah. box. True. That's incredibly interesting. Um, but Carmen, we in the marketing world, we like our tools. We want tools. Mm. So what tools do you think can companies apply to better understand and also apply customer experiences? You know, there's so many tools um, um, to use. And I, for me personally, I think it all depends on which touch point you're starting at because I think it depends on where you are within your um, understanding of your personas, your customer journeys, etc. But some tools that I really believe in is um, analytics. Google Analytics plays an essential part. But when you do Google Analytics, you almost need an anthropologist and behavioral specialist to dive together with the data scientists into your Google Analytics to have a far deeper understanding of what's just happening on the surface, which an ordinary online marketing manager would not necessarily discover. And then mm -hmm. how to interpret that data and understand how that works. So Google Analytics plays an essential role. The other one would be data science, which I would always mm -hmm. say, and always start with data enrichment, understand you know, the data science using AI, machine learning being one of them, and mining that data to understand the meaningful patterns. But one tool that a lot of companies battle, because they always revert back to the Excel spreadsheet. Mm. Get away from the Excel spreadsheet and get into data visualization when you have a huge database. You need to start seeing the meaningful patterns that are happening and you can't see it by just looking at it. You need to really have the visualization and that is where you start seeing oh my gosh there's some activity happening here and that's where you can do a deep dive and then there's tools like for example answer the public answer mm. the public will help you to find out what people are asking google trends are incredible google trends to me is one of the most valuable tools just as a starting point in the first 10 minutes i can tell you what's going on in your business mm. um and then yeah there's so many various tools to use but i think it's also for me, fundamentally about getting back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to ask Carmen, uh, uh, she's talking a lot about big data, data visualization and, and things that are really so current and relevant. But when I look at big data, I look at numbers, I look at patterns, I look at, at projections. 
but I'm missing the actual usage of that information. What I like to coin soft skills and say, it's fine to, to forecast if somebody, for example, buys diapers that there could be a pregnancy coming, or if somebody buys, let's say, for example, chocolates that there's romance in the air. Mm. But that is just, to me, sales-driven numbers that gives you an idea of how you can improve the sales. Mm. What I would like to ask you is, how can we use big data to actually bring forward the soft skills to make people feel that you're actually talking to them? Yeah. To make people feel individualized in this ever-increasing, bigger, becoming darkness of of numbers and cities and consumerism where we're all just fading away as just becoming part of the masses yeah there's a a term uh, we like to use the data obesity is like we're sitting on all this data and we have no ability to to convey that information and to interpret that data and then obviously understand where all the touch points are but look think about a person getting married right if i get married If I have decided that I don't want to have children, what is the most probable thing that I'm going to do? I'm going to travel. Most people that don't have kids travel a lot because they don't have the responsibility of kids. Mm -hmm. So it's understanding within your data. First of all, you first of all need to understand who this person is, like the basic demographics. You can never get away from the basic demographics because it does, I mean, I've just turned 40. So for me, my mindset has just, has just, <laughs> it's just going never. I'm like, oh my God, please, can you just sit on my shoulder all day long and just talk to me? <laughs> anyway, but I mean, my mindset is completely different as to when I was 30. So if you look at, at salon owners, they pick up, okay, I'm going to, uh, this is not for sensitive viewers or listeners, but like, you know, the grooming um, of the ladies down there, that the Bollywood mm. um, where you just wax everything off mm. is becoming very prominent for the older generation, whereas the younger generation just do the bikini waxes. Mm. So that is a certain behavioral pattern that's happening there. And do we understand, okay, now you're in this life stage You've just divorced and now it's all about feeling sexy and now the skirts are getting shorter and it's just like everything is changing. Your hair needs to change and you just want to rejuvenate your yourself as, as a person and have a new appearance because you've been cheated on, etc. And it's understanding in your data is what does the pattern tell you? What does it mean when somebody just got married? They're going to take out life insurance. They're probably going to buy a house. What does it mean if people buy three or four or five different properties? That kind of stuff tells you a lot about the customer and the experiences that you need to create for that particular customer. Did I answer your question? Not yet. Um, I think partially, yes, because you say the right things. But I think what I'm missing is the fact that it's not just about the life cycle change. Mm. It's about the fact that that sometimes you can't think too strategically around marketing. Uh, This is also something which is a personal opinion. It's not an academic opinion. But sometimes I wonder, don't we have too many men that make these strategic decisions and their emotional attachment to 
the strategies that they are developing are based on factual principles and, and not an understanding emotion. In, in, in research that we are doing, the, the concept of emotion, mm. uh, incidental and accidental emotion is, is becoming more and more pertinent. Yes. People have emotions. And the fact that we put people in boxes and say because you're of a certain gender or because you're of a certain culture or because you are single or because you are married, your emotional status is supposed to be defined by that mm. is, is wrong. I totally agree. Because just conclusively from my side, because why I'm saying that is if there is a unhappy experience between a retailer and a client, for example. If you're a female, the expectation is standardized. There's going to be lots of emotion. There's going to be a certain behavioral pattern. And if you are of a male gender, then there might be a different emotional behavior. It might be much more subtle. It could be much more strategic. And that's wrong because you get men that are also more emotional. Yeah. Mm. You get women yeah. that are much more rational. Yeah. So we must move away f- from these it. boxes of how we should find solutions to customer yes. experience and maybe pattern yes. uh, a people's um, behavior. Behavior the, the, more. Wha- that's one hundred percent. And 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 to explain to you how the process would work, right? So so the data you find the data you find that I'm going to throw a rocket out. I don't actually believe that you should at all at all market according to segmentation. Mm. I think you should be doing it via behavioral patterns. If you look at Facebook in the UK, I think there's, when you register for your Facebook profile, there's over 90 genders or 78 genders. I mean, if you really want to start segmenting that, good luck with that. So, so it's really getting to a point where you say, okay, right, this is the customer. Now I know this customer. Now let's go through the customer journey. And in the customer journey, you do, first of all, what is the trigger? Um, I want to buy a house. Okay, now that I know that I want to buy a house, what is the empathy map? The empathy map is what, are, what is my pain? What is my needs? How do I feel when I'm engaging with you as a business in this particular channel? What does the good experience look like? What is the bad experience? Um, what are my moments of truth? What is the yes and no decisions that I'm making in that particular moment? And what opportunities and ideas exist for the brand to address that? And one of the biggest Biggest problems with brands is they create, I think Lexus once creates over a thousand avatars, personas, right, for a campaign and um, to do personalization. (laughs) I think we're overcomplicating it. Having three or four set um, group people grouped based on behaviors and then focusing more on the trigger points so that you can actually build the empathy because the trigger points is where the empathy lies. If I call in and there was a death in the family and there's a funeral policy, there's definitely very different sets of emotions as when I call the call center to say, hey, I want to sign up for funeral policy as to when I'm calling the claims department. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm. It does because the expectations differ. Correct. Mm. Correct. Yes. Can I throw a rock in? Yeah, he comes another rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say the word retail. 
<laughs> and um, we're all talking about customer journeys and, you know, luxury goods and the whole process. But mm. um, we are in a country where you find yourself walking into a retail store, grocery store, you know, low value items. And how do we fix the customer service there? Because we have, we need empathy there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would disagree or agree. Mm. Pride of, in the work that the frontline employees do there and passion for what they do. Mm. Um, when you look at the retail industry, you feel that there's no customer service in the front line. Mm. How do we fix that? Back again to the um, customer sandpit. Um, how have you guys have watched um, Undercover Bosses? I've watched a couple of hey? episodes. Yeah. I love that. So, so basically the CEO goes in and he gets dressed like a, a ro- uh, like a rock star, long hair, and he's got a beard. And he goes and then they say they're doing a documentary. And actually he's going to see on the floor what's happening because there's always a – the bigger the business, the bigger the disconnect. It's important when obviously when there's this huge, huge disconnect is to understand what's happening on the ground level. Because sometimes there's frustrations like customers moan because they are looking for a specific product and the product is not on the shelves. Empathy, I think empathy has become a trend and I don't understand why empathy is a trend because empathy is just something that we should have. Mm. But in, in order for you to solve the problem, you really have to find the root cause because what we're actually doing is we're looking at the branches and then hope the branches are going to tell us what's wrong. But in fact, if you go into the roots of your organization, you're going to find what are the real underlying problems. Did you know when you cut a part off from the tree, a tree will start dying from the inside out. So the leaves will be the last place where you will see death happening. So you need to get back into the roots and you really need to get back in the ground. Where is the customer's first touch point? The customer's first touch point is not in the customer loyalty loop. The first touch point is I'm walking into your store. What is happening on store level? And why is the store level, for example, at a discam in four ways, very different from a discam that's in Soweto? And it's trying to understand what are those, those problems, underlying issues, and how you can actually resolve it. I think we're operating in a, in, in a time where we do not store realize that if you put the least skilled and the lowest paid people where you catch your customer base first, you are actually starting already to create that challenge with the experience. I can share with you a personal experience. I don't know if we're allowed to to say it on the podcast, Mm. but I've always been purchasing my furniture from Corycroft because I like their furniture and I really like their designs. I, I support the uh, Corycroft in Cresta because it's close to my home, so it's also accessible. We're neighbours. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the last purchase I made was two uh, kitchen nook chairs, and it was chairs for my dining room table. And I walked in and I, I put the order in, and it was around about, I think, uh, 15,000 rand. So it was a lot of money. It wasn't yeah. 2,000 rand. And I explained to them, you know, exactly what I want, the colors. And they said to me it would take approximately around about five weeks. So that is the expectation. Now that's already created. Mm. So 
on the first visit, it all went very well, and I got the colors I want, I got whatever. So we made a decision as well that the two bar chairs will be delivered within two weeks, um, and I said, okay, but maybe we should deliver it together, you know, mm. so that the, I don't pay two separate delivery fees. And they said, no, it will be ready in two weeks, and then we will make sure that we then deliver it to your house. So two weeks passes by, and there's no contact, there's no engagement. So I go down to Corey Craft, and I ask them, you know, what's happening? No, it's going to take another two weeks. Mm. <clears throat> so the expectation hasn't been met. Four weeks later, I go down. No, it's going to take eight weeks now. I said, and how long is the chair going to take? No, it was supposed to be five weeks, but it will be ten weeks now. Now, to make a long story short, the problem that we have is that the experience is not just about the quality of the products mm -hmm. that you get at the end of the day. It's first, there was no trust after the first engagement because mm -hmm. they didn't deliver on promises. Secondly, the floor manager couldn't find a resolution to the problem. It was just an extension of a scenario instead of creating a solution. The solution would be, uh, we will pay for your delivery or I will follow up and then get back to you around the issue. None of that. I had to follow up constantly and engage. So I'm adding on to what Mariette said. Why are we failing consistently here on here, Carmen? Why are we failing on the basics? Mm. on that first port of engagement, on the creation of the trust that we want, and on delivering on promises made. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, for the past year, I have been very, very vocal, and I am like a salmon <laughs> swimming upstream <laughs> about, about this whole thing of getting back to the damn basics we need to start fixing the problems because our foundations are falling apart. We are so busy chasing new technology. Not that I'm saying technology is not important. Technology is the servant to help us to achieve our goals. But if, if the basics and foundations, the, the values of the business is not right, the processes are not right, yeah. and the resources are not allocated correctly. I mean, we were talking earlier about money, right? We're spending all this money on state-of-the-art technology, but we're building it on old-fashioned business models, right? Mm. So it doesn't matter how much money you're spending on, on, on your technology. It's on an old fashioned business model. So the change needs to happen the other way around is we're to say, okay, right. How do we reinvent our business model? How do we look at the business strategy, the value proposition, the projects, the operations? And we start connecting it. But the big problem in every organization is we're working in siloed, siloed experiences are actually wanted to ask you guys about it, but um, now I'm going to mention it. Um, in customer experiences, there's three types of teams that you get. You get the first team that each team forms their own function, right? So that's very biased. So I've got a budget of one million rand and my that million rand needs to go to the technology that we need in order to get our logistics right. But we don't have the foundation right. And those teams are usually the teams um, in businesses that are structured that actually brings it down to the ground because it's biased towards the KPIs of a specific department. Departments are spending money on, on so many different 
different things that it, they're not aligned. Then you get the collection of teams, which is a team. Then you'll have teams from different departments that get together and they decide on one decision, but then it, it becomes priority. So there's always a fight and bickering happening about who gets the priority and who gets yeah. the budget, <laughs> right? <laughs> mm. But the true way of really sorting out a business from the bottom to the top is creating a team that's unbiased. A team that does not abide to all of these various silos and the business functions and the various channels and so forth. They are purely focused on fixing the problems in the organization that is ostracizing their customers and from service level all the way up. But as I mentioned earlier on, you can't train somebody to give service with a smile when the procedures are punishing the customer, like punity. Um, uh, punitive punitive policies that mm. you put in place so you say to a, for, to a customer you have to go to 10 through 10 of these hoops before we can solve your problem every time when I have to call in for a claim you haven't populated my data I have to spend mm. 40 minutes with you on the phone to do the same thing I did with you a year ago. It's all of those kind of things. So it's looking, I think, going back to having a team structure in place that is actually going to help the business solve it from the bottom to the top, not superficial changes. <laughs> Uh, so, Carmen, we um, almost, I guess, need to wrap up. But just a Sorry. last, no, 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 just a last question from <laughs> our side. We hear a lot about the omni-channel experience and the integration. So, how can companies manage and achieve this omni-integrated customer experience across all their channels? What would you advise them to do? They need to start a customer experience program. Mm -hmm. The customer experience program, they need to work with independent people as well as within the business. It's about co-creation, co-action. They need to start having innovation interventions with their actual customers because what does Bill Gates say? Your biggest resource is your customers that are complaining and you start you start understanding what your customers are complaining about and you understand the customer experience abyss where everything is disconnected mm. and you start solving that and then you get by setting up a team mm -hmm. that have the influence and can actually make decisions um, independently, unbiasedly. That is where real change can happen. But not many businesses do that. I know very few. Okay. So, Carmen, I think this officially brings us to the point where we can say we have now unhijacked your show and we loved interviewing you on your show. <laughs> and uh, oh. we will now gladly hand over the ropes again. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm going to punish you with the Barry Hilton game and you better get this right because cheese like, oh, I'm going to get you back. <laughs> okay. On your marks. Hello, my cousins. It's Barry Hilton here, and welcome to the Carmen Murray Show. Have I got something lacquer to show you? I've got a game that I've invented called Smart Ask. Yes, can you be a smart ask? I'm sure you can. Most of us are smart askers, but this game, it's quite simple. It's split up into six categories. There's nine cards on each category. Every card has six questions. The dealer chooses the question, and all you have to do is answer Three questions correctly to win the game. Is that easy? Uh, well, all of the answers are in multiples of three. So let's get ready to play the game. On your marks, get it. Go. Symbols of Chinese astrology. A oh, monkey. Pig. Yeah. Oh, my The way. dragon. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Songs from My Fair Lady. Oh, words rhyming with beer. Dear. Be careful what you say, eh? Yeah. Dear. <laughs> Dear. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that one. Okay. Uh, classic composers. Mozart. Mozart. Beethoven. Yeah. Uh, Tchaikovsky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Scottish football clubs. No idea. Water sports. Polo. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, 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 Thank you for hijacking the show. I really enjoy talking about my favorite, favorite topic. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Carmen Murray Show, another solid gold podcast. Please take a moment to rate and share this episode with friends and colleagues who love customer experience and marketing just as much as you do. To connect with Carmen, visit CarmenMurray.com where you will find links to her business services, future fit events, and biz community articles. Carmen Murray is CEO of Uya Modern Marketing Services that empower businesses to deliver premium customer experiences, B2B, B2C, and B2B2C across all industries. Some of these services include research, CX strategy, persona development and customer journey mapping, CX audits, UX audits, and the connected marketer training in connected customer experiences, mobile, data management, and AI. You've been listening to another episode from the Solid Gold Podcast Studios.